Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm Jerry Orris. Well, first, before we start, I just want to mention a quick thing. Kids First is having a fundraiser. Right now, Kids First is launching a crowdfunding campaign to help support us, film critics, as well as the radio show. We are more than halfway through our goal at $15,000. And today, we ask for your support to help expand Kids First training and educational opportunities for kids, both nationally and around the world. 100% of your donation supports our Kids First film critics training and implementation. To donate, please go to www.kidsfirst.org. With that out of the way, let's get to our radio show. The first person we're going to be talking to is Peter Greenwood, who has done many, many things throughout his career. He's a voice actor, actor, research supervisor, art director, assistant director, set designer, props designer, and much more. Peter, I'm just blown away with how many things you've done for so many films and TV shows. But first, I want to talk to you about one thing I really like in particular, and that is your role in Gumby, specifically the Gumby remake in the 1980s, I believe. And you played over 20 roles in the remake, right? Yes, I did. I played a lot of different characters, but that's part of the joy of doing voiceover work is you get to be lots of different things. Now, Peter, I really just want to know, how did you go about that process of creating so many different voices for so many different personalities and bodies and just being able to create so many voices? Well, Jerry, the trick is you read the script. You look at the script, and in the, in the case of Gumby, I was very fortunate. I had Art Clokey to guide me. So I'm working directly with the creator of Gumby, which was an absolute joy. And uh, he just led me through each and every voice. In the case of the one episode, I helped compose a lot of the script. It was called Kangaroo Express. And that's the episode where Gumby finally, finally gets to go to Australia. That was my idea. I begged Art to do it. and Lo and behold, he did it. You know, we went there. We went to Australia. You know, it sounds like Art ran a really open set where anybody was allowed to pitch ideas and everybody was kind of collaborating together on the project. Is that true? That was that was the impression I got. There were a lot of very, very talented people on the 80s series. There was another gentleman who was the key designer director called Ken Pontiac, who was absolute genius. And most everybody who worked on Gumby, of course, uh, as I'm sure you may or may not be aware, after Gumby was finished production, they all went off and did a a little film called Nightmare Before Christmas. Hmm. Gumby definitely was incredibly impressive for stop motion animation, as well as many other films that are coming out now, including Nightmare Before Christmas. And I also just want you to talk a little bit about the voice acting process, because sadly, I don't think a lot of people out there really know a lot about voice acting and the passion and talent that goes on behind it. So can you just talk about your process a little bit from first well, getting the script to filming to recording it? My process, how- my process is I, I just basically read the script and then I interpret the voice. Let's talk about Gumby's cousin, who's a little version of Gumby, who talks like this. Well, Gumby, you got a computer. I'm really happy to be here. And I haven't been a voice for a long time. I've been hiding. So you're finally getting to talk to Gumby's cousin. Hi. <laughs> I, I've been away for a long time. But I'm really happy because the people at uh, N3 put out my DVD and I get to be heard again. It's so great. <laughs> now, Gumby's cousin, I do have a question for you. 
Gumby yes. as a series has existed for many years. It started in the 1950s, and of right. course you had the remake in the 80s and the film in the 90s. So you yourself, as a child, Gumby was in your life as a child. Oh my well, gosh, yes. I, I had all the Gumby toys. I loved Gumby. I This was a dream come true. i got to tell you, to work on a show that you watched as a child and adored, and then to find out that Art Clokey was just as kind and, you know, he was he was the clay Walt Disney, if you'd like. And then, of course, you knew uh, Joe Clokey, who was just as wonderful and sadly is not with us as well. But the point was Gumby was one of those rare shows. Gumby himself is a very, very loving character. He is all about empathy and about encouraging others and about just being as best the best kind of guy he can be. And that's what made Gumby so special was the fact that it had such heart to it. And that's why I was so delighted to do it. And in each and every episode, there was always something that expressed the compassion that was Gumby. Uh, there's another episode I did. Well, that's the one with the cousin in it called Best on the Block. And it was so ahead of its time because it dealt with people having trouble with homelessness. And the fact that Gumby went out of his way to create homes that were affordable for everybody to live in which was, you know, it was just miraculous that they came up with such a lovely idea. You know, I, I just love Gummy because it tackled such complex concepts, but it was designed for kids. You would never expect it, and you very rarely see it in uh, kids' TV shows today. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and right now we're talking to Peter Greenwood, who has done many different roles and many different films, but specifically we're talking about his work on the Gumby series as many different roles on in the Gumby show itself with over 20 different roles. And before we continue, I just want to mention that sadly Gumby episodes aren't really as popular or known today. But for parents out there or kids who are interested, over the last several years there has been many DVD collections released and we have reviewed quite a lot of them here at Kids First. So well, definitely check them out and check let out me, reviews. Let me tell you something on those DVD. The company that's been releasing these is absolutely fantastic. The N-Circle Entertainment. And the DVDs that have been released on Gumby by N-Circle are the best quality that you'll ever see of these shows. It's the first time they've been remastered and put together in collections that actually make sense. They've been chopped and put in different collections through the years, but never compiled in such a beautiful packaging and you know the thing that i love about the end circle dvds is you know they come with toys right i do i've received several of them and i really oh, love the toys it is the coolest thing ever you get the entire gumby gang comes as you buy each volume of the end circle dvds and that is the the joy you can actually play along with the with the shows with the with the figures and the, the nice thing is the gumby that comes in the gumby collection is a throwback to the earlier Gumby design. So it's a very unique toy. If you want to get something that's a huge collectible, this would be the thing to get because it's just lovely. And all of them are just cool. And you, in one one particular box, you don't get one blockhead, you actually get two of them. So they can gang up on Gumby and Pokey. It's really lovely. And, you know, I love, I don't remember which collection it is. The audience will have to find it. But there is one of them that the DVD box is literally shaped like Gumby's head. And it's just that Gumby's would be the Gumby movie. Box. And that's, it's a wonderful box set. And it's, again, end circle. I take my hat off to them. The quality of these DVDs, it's nothing like you've seen before when it comes to Gumby. If you want to introduce your kids and kids, if you want to meet, really know Gumby, get the end circle DVDs because they absolutely present it. 
beautifully. And the thing about Gumby is it was all about design. And Cloakie, right from the very beginning, let his imagination just run wild. The thing about all the Gumbies is everything you see in those shows is so colorful and so expressive and so wonderful. And such a huge amount of imagination went into these shows that, you know, if you show these to any kids, especially younger children, it's going to encourage their, I hope it will encourage you buy a big old box of Play-Doh and just go nuts and do it yourself. Because that's the joy of Gumby is one of the things that you'll see in the shows are a lot of toys. And there were toys from each individual time period. And it, it basically, it encouraged you to play with your toys and actually be active and make up stories. And the thing that was another thing that's wonderful about Gumby is it encourages you to read. Gumby just didn't go from story to story. He would actually go into a book as you have. I'm sure you've seen this. He flies into the book and brings to life the entire book and it encourages kids to read, I hope. So that's the thing about Gumby. It's got multiple facets that are absolutely lovely in terms of getting kids to read and engage and just really use their imaginations to the, to the max. You know, I, it was, yeah, I agree. It's one of the most iconic things when Gumby walks into a book and he enters a whole world. And I do think it also encourages kids to write. You know, anybody can write those books where it has an entire world in it. That's, you know, that's what I heard. Text that it's free. You can download it. Yeah, I so, mean, that's the beauty of Gumby and the fact that it is so loving. It's such a loving show and it has such a beautiful heart to it that it's wonderful even for the smallest of children in terms of what it can express and what it can bring out in them in terms of fun and adventure. Absolutely. And, and you know, I remember my, my uh, Gumby is my, my nephew, and I, I'm very proud of him. He's a very good boy. <laughs> I do have a question about Gumby himself. Gumby has a very unique voice, that kind of a little bit higher pitch. I'm sure he can do it very that well. That was a really amazing man called Dal McKinnon who I worked with, and Dal was actually Dal was the shopkeeper in the uh, the old Daniel Boone TV show. You wouldn't think Dal McKinnon because he had this big, long, white beard. And he looked like an old prospector, and, it, and you'd think he was talking like this. But no, he, he was Gumby. And not only was he Gumby, he was also Archie Andrews in the original Archie's cartoon. He did a lot of voiceover work, and Gumby is what he's best known for. And in terms of Gumby's voice... The secret is they used a thing called an SPX 70, I think it was, and they sped his voice up about three or four frames, and that's why it's got a little bit more of a vibretto. It's the same thing they did on Alvin and the Chipmunks. Oh, that's interesting. Very fun fact to know there. Yeah, and well, I, I worked on Alvin and the Chipmunks, and for the life of me, I can't remember what I did. But <laughs> I did, I did a, multiple episodes of that one as well. You know, I also kind of just want to ask you, because what do you think is kind of a hidden thing about voice acting people don't realize because of course we've been talking about it thoroughly here today and in your opinion is, is there something that you think people gloss over when they watch animated movies or even uh, well, visual effects heavy movies today you know what if you want to do voice acting there's one thing that you have to have and that's a complete commitment and passion for it if you don't have that then you should not be doing it because it's a very very tough field and I'm not a, not a celebrity by any stretch of the imagination because I'm just a working actor. And, uh, you know, it's very hard when you read for things and you get replaced by a celebrity because the celebrity 
financially, it makes more sense for the studio to have somebody who's a celebrity do a particularly intense voice. But the thing is that I train and I do a lot of, I, you know, I do about 200 different dialects. So I was a, I, I have this weird ear for, um, for hearing a particular accent and then being able to mimic it. So I can do just about anything. And then I also used to teach acting to kids. I worked at Le Boite Theatre in Australia up in Brisbane. And I would teach different voiceover techniques. But it's a very hard field. And the big secret, what's a big secret? Well, one of the secrets is you have to be able to sing. Did you know that? I did not know that. Please do tell. Every accent is music. And once you establish what the halts and the music of that accent is, then guess what? You can do it. So if I want to talk like one of you guys, I can talk like you by figuring out that the music and the stops for an American accent is like this. If I want to talk like a British person, I can just figure out that it's something like this. Or if I want to go lower, then I can sound like this, you know. And everything is tonal and musical. And once you figure out those halts and then you add a little bit of technique into it, you can voice act. Very simple. Well, Peter, thank you so much for being on the show today. Sadly, that is all the time we have. Did you want to say goodbye to all of the characters from Gumby? Would you like them all to say goodbye for you? I would love that. Please go ahead. Well, first, we're going to have the kangaroo from Kangaroo Express. You ready? I'm ready. Well, it's been great being here. See you later. That's the kangaroo. Now the Outback guy from the same episode. Well, mate, it's been great being on your radio program. I can't say I didn't enjoy it because I did enjoy it. (laughs) Okay, Gumby's cousin. Well, it's been great being here. Thanks for having me. Gumby's uncle. Well, it's been wonderful being here. And uh, golly gee, I just think this is a lovely way to bring back Gumby. And you know what? Again, I'm going to thank those lovely people at N-Circle Entertainment. They're doing a great job. And then finally, me. And it's been great being here, and I love talking to you. And keep watching Gumby, because he loves all of you, and that's for sure. Thank you very much, Peter. For our audience, do definitely check out N-Circle Entertainment's collections of Gumby. You can hear Peter's work and so much more amazing work by so many incredible people. But I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This week's show is sponsored by Princess Emmy. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First film critics boot camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm jerry Ors from los angeles and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we were just talking to peter greenwood about his many wonderful roles including his role in the gumby series in the 80s but now we're going to switch gears we're going to be talking to ethan and nava about carnival spanish learning songs dvd so, Ethan, let's start off at the back. Can you tell us a little bit about this, uh, I guess I should say, CD collection and what it encompasses and what people will get when they buy it? Um, so it's 14 songs in Spanish, but if you don't understand the title, they have it in English. And it's really cool to teach kids like how to s- sing along and do Spanish songs. And they can sing along, dance, like salsa. That's one of my favorites. Um, so it's like really fun to see because she's like going to the supermarket, talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, that's interesting. And Ethan, do you yourself speak Spanish? Um, no, but my mom does. <laughs> now, how, what was it like to kind of go through it without actually speaking Spanish? Do you think it helped you learn, understand Spanish? Yeah, I was like kind of going through it and my mom was like, okay, this word means this. Cause I was slowly trying to get it. And then. It was like kind of it was like kind of hard to understand, but it was still teaching you. So I think it I think it was helping me learn. That's wonderful. And Nava, do you speak Spanish? No, I don't. And what was it like for you not to know Spanish but to uh, listen to these songs? Do you think it helped you? It was very confusing because none of my family members speak Spanish either. But it was a very fun experience listening to the melodies and the beats. Okay, so Nava, do you think that this could have a good uh? Top good, you know, role in teaching kids Spanish, or do you think it's more just a good collection of kids Spanish songs? Um, to me, it's more of a good collection of kids Spanish songs because it didn't really teach us how to speak Spanish unless you have someone who knows how to speak Spanish. I guess it could teach you. And Ethan, what do you think? Do you agree, disagree? Well, actually, I was looking back through it and I think I remember they had um the title and the lyrics in, in English because I remember reading that. Yeah, it's like a little guidebook. It's it's cool. That's that's good to hear that kids are able to follow along with it. But there is the point that, you know, uh, definitely it's sometimes harder to do it based off lyrics because lyrics are very, very hard to translate. I don't think people quite realize, but things like poems, stories, lyrics, it doesn't always cross over because there's a lot of context in the rhythm and just the word sounds that doesn't cross over. But I'm glad to hear that they're able to do it somewhat. And uh, Nava, do you have a favorite song? I understand you couldn't understand the words too well, but do you have a favorite song just in terms of what it sounded like? My favorite song was probably the first one, which was at the supermarket. Oh yeah, it says al supermercado. My Spanish pronunciation is horrible. I'm so sorry for that, but that does sound interesting. Please do tell me about it. Um, I really like the melody of it, and it just made me want to get up and dance. 
that's great to hear. That means that the music is working absolutely. And Ethan, what about you? Do you have a favorite song in the collection? Uh, yeah, it was the Itty Bitty Spider because it's like, you know, a childhood in English. But when you hear it in Spanish, I feel like it was like more catchy. Oh, that's interesting. I'd love to hear that because, of course, we all know the story of the Itsy Bitsy Spider. It's an absolute classic for children. And because this is for children, I'm sure parents want to know specifically what age range is this best for. So, Nava, what age range would you give this uh, CD collection? I'll give it to five to nine years old. It's not really for bigger kids, mostly for younger kids. Well, that's wonderful to hear, and it sounds like that's about right for it. And I'm learning right now that we have Jada, another film critic, on the segment. So, Jada, can you give us your opinion on this uh, CD collection, just for some context? So far, Ethan and Nava both agree that it's a great collection, but it isn't so good at uh, teaching kids Spanish. So, Jada, what do you think? Hi. Well, I think this was very. This was a very good. Um, these were very good learning songs for younger kids. And because I I actually grew up learning Spanish through first um, to fifth grade, so I thought this song was very good with helping younger children who want to learn Spanish or who are already, um, like, born talking Spanish. And they're just really catchy songs. And I like the Itsy Bitsy, Itsy Bitsy Spider and... Like the the al super marcado because it was just really catchy, and I feel like if I was you know, a little younger, I would definitely want to listen to this song um, when I was still speaking a lot of Spanish. Oh my goodness, your Spanish pronunciation is superbly better than mine. I'm so glad that you said that name because I completely butchered it. Now, I myself, when I was younger, much, much younger, I listened to a Russian CD that was kind of like this because uh, my mom was trying to teach me Russian. So I want to hear from you, Jada. In your opinion, do you think that these CDs are good, you know, this style of teaching kids foreign languages through songs in those languages? Well, I do think that these kinds of songs and CDs are helpful for if you're already in Spanish, but it's a little hard to catch up with the lyrics and kind of like translate it in your head when it's really like really fast songs like these. But I do think if you are learning to do Spanish, um, this is like a good way to teach your kids how to pronounce certain things and how to say things like tiny things like that like for example i'm at the market or where what country do you live in like things like that which were in the carnival cd that sounds absolutely reasonable i can completely agree with that statement and nava just quickly from you overall how many stories do you give the cd and why i give it five out of five stars because it's very um, it's not educational, but it is a good Spanish songs for little kids who are speaking Spanish. So, yeah. And Ethan, how about you? How many stars do you give the CD and why? Um, five out of five. <laughs> it's just so good. That's wonderful to hear. It sounds like an absolute wonderful CD collection. And even if you don't know a lot of Spanish, it does have translated lyrics. So do check it out. You know, there's a lot of great songs, it seems like, so it could just be also entertaining if you have kids who speak Spanish fluently. But sadly, that is all the time we have for this segment. Thank you, uh, Nava and Jada and Ethan, for talking to me about Carnival Spanish Learning Songs. You're very welcome. Of course. Thank you. Of course. Anytime.
You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and right now we're going to continue talking to Ethan about Uranus Whispers. So, Ethan, this is a short animated film, right? Yes. Well, tell us about it. What did you think about it, and what's the story? So, it was four minutes, and it was about two alien robots who were unhappy in the planet that they live in, and one of them is thinking that his coffee is cold, and the other one doesn't like the humidity and the heat of their planet. So they saw Uranus, and they think they want to go there because they think it's a better place. That's very interesting. You know, I personally am a big, big fan of space-related animations. I just absolutely love them, and I think there should be a lot more of them. But what did you think of it? Do you What did you think of the visuals? What did you think it captured the final frontier in a wonderful way? And also, because it is only four minutes long... Do you think the story was able to be, you know, compressed enough in that short of a time span? Yeah, it was really good. And it almost looked like it was 3D, to be honest. And what was it actually? Was it uh, drawn animation, stop motion? I think it was drawn. You know, these days you're getting a lot of interesting animation styles. Like if you look at the more uh, abstract, you know, short animated films, there are so many different styles and I love it. Absolutely. It's not just, you know the Walt Disney drawn or Pixar animation. There's a really a lot of different styles and we don't really talk about short animated films in this radio show a lot. So what do you think of the style of this kind of very quick animated film? Do you think that it has its benefits over feature length animation or animated shows? Uh, it was really good. Honestly, it, I really think it can be a movie. And what do you think made it that good? You know, what could make it a movie? The storyline, the comedy, and it was just the graphics. Whoever drew that, just like amazing, amazing shout out. That's great to hear. And what about the voice acting? Or is it a silent animated film? Um, it has some voice acting. It's like really, really funny. And there's just a like a chicken. I don't know what he's there for, but uh, he doesn't have a voice. <laughs> you know, short animated films, they seem to almost always take a silent approach. And it is kind of interesting where they just completely do it based off the visuals. And I assume, especially since you're talking about traveling to Uranus, there was a lot of amazing visuals. Can you kind of talk about what was your favorite parts? Um, my favorite part was like at the end because uh, they went through like a spaceship because they wanted to go to Uranus. But it like hit the type of a spaceship hit the like there was a little hole inside the chicken's nose and it got stuck there. So it didn't move. And something turned the sky into red, so they thought they were on Uranus, and they started to like it all better now. And I liked that part because it was funny how they thought they were on Uranus, but they were on the same exact planet. <laughs> I like, there's a lot of references there because, of course, for uh, people who know their older films, the original Planet of the Apes had a very big reference like that. I'm not going to describe it perfectly because I don't want to spoil it, but that's definitely a reference to Planet of the Apes, and I love that they did something like that. This seems like a really wonderful film, so I want to know from you, how many stars do you give it and why? Uh, five out of five stars, because I really think this this short film was funny, and I think it can go on and be a movie. That's wonderful to hear, and I'm sure there's not going to be much for parents to worry about in only four minutes of animation, but just in case, what is the age range of this film and why? Five to 18 plus adults, because it's really funny. That's great to hear. Ethan, thank you so much for talking to me about 
uh, Uranus Whispers. And for the audience, definitely check it out. You know, you can find a lot of great animated short films on YouTube, as well as in universities. A lot of bigger universities have animation programs, and they just create some amazing content. So definitely check those types of films out and support the creators who are just getting started, maybe making feature animation films in five to ten years from now. So who knows? But that's all the time we have. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris from Los Angeles, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Princess Emmy. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm alejandra Garcia from miami and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking about carnival spanish learning songs and on iranian whispers and next we'll be talking with cayenta on improv at daybreak the kids first film festival title so cayenta how are you i'm doing good Kind of tired, but really good. <laughs> yeah, me too. So tell us a little bit about this new short film that you watched. So it's about, so it's a theater in British Columbia, and it focuses on their Monday morning acting program you know, for people who are mentally challenged. Okay. And it's a really good film. And do you think, I mean, what messages does the short film teach the audience about, I mean, how deep does it touch, does it touch upon the mental illness subject? It does a bit because they interview some of the people who are involved in it, like the people who teach the classes, the people who are in the classes. And right. so you hear a lot about how it works and the challenges and how fun it is. Like, throughout the whole thing, they seemed like they were having a lot of fun. Right. And, I mean, looking from all of that, what was your favorite part that you think you took away from all those scenes? 
My favorite part was probably when it showed yeah, the clips of their class and like they weren't the best film quality. You could tell they were taken from a phone, but it was really great because they were all dressing up and having fun yeah, and acting is a big part of my life. So that's why I chose this film to begin with. And how do you think, I mean, does it really tie, I mean, does that have very similarities between like you as an actor and what they were showing? Like, did you see any connection between the two or? I saw a bit of connection, definitely. And do you think it could maybe like extend to like, not a sequel, but like maybe like, uh, like an extended version of the of the short film or do you think it's best to keep it like as how it is right now I think either film. one would work because yeah they could you know go more into the program because they didn't get a lot of time to talk much about it okay yeah but at the same time it could stay as it is yeah, I feel sometimes short films or films in general, like they like push it to accent the story or what they're trying to show like far and far. But I think maybe if like they like just keep it as how it was originally, I think it's best to keep it that way sometimes to stick with the subject or stick with the, you know, main message they're trying to send, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what, what would you say it's the age range for the short film? I mean considering that it touches on mental illness and other subjects that maybe it's best to not expose to some age group what do you think I could probably say 8 to 18 and definitely also adults but for younger kids I would suggest to parents that they explain more about mental illnesses to their children because it might be kind of confusing yeah right and I mean Taking into consideration, it is a short film. What would be like some of the aspects? I mean, as to why you would recommend this short film to that age group that you just said? Well, yeah, I mean, it's very good. And I mean, we could say because of the message, or maybe uh, the cinematography was like aesthetic or the setting. I don't know what what, what could be some aspects of um to recommend it. Well, it's a really good subject, and I feel like a lot of people should know about it. Like, it's something we need to know more about. And I feel like it's a good thing for parents to educate their kids on. But at the same time, the kids should know more about mental illnesses before watching it, because it could be confusing, like I said. Right. Well, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking about Carnival Spanish Learning Songs, Uranus Whispers, and right now, I'm talking to Fianza about Improv at Daybreak, the short film that she's talking about. So continuing into the interview, so you would say you recommend it for those various reasons, right? Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, what would you say, um, you already said that your favorite film, okay. So what would you say, um, not only the mental illness um, subject, but what, uh, what another what other message would you say that this that this short film teaches the audience? Well, it teaches them that it's kind of hard to put into words. Right, it's a short but, film. It, it, yeah, it's not a lot. I, I get it. Yeah, I mean, but probably yeah. that when you want to do something, you can 
do it. You, you shouldn't let anything stop you, really. Right, yeah, I think that in this generation, people um, put limits to themselves, I mean, based on whatever situation they have going on, but I think maybe the short film teaches them to keep on going no matter what, and maybe, I mean, not only they teach the message, but they show, like, from the people's per- perspectives that were on the film, right? Yeah, definitely. Yes, and, I mean, you chose to watch this short film because you're an actor yourself, but what... What 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 other aspect maybe made you like cut your eye into that short film? Well, because I saw the title and it was like Improv at Daybreak, and I was like, "Ooh, that looks interesting." I think it's about yeah acting, and I think that maybe they could have gotten more into like maybe more about the program extended and not just one class and like how they really work it like yeah yeah well I mean considering it is a short film like we've said before in the interview I mean what extra scenes could have improved the film if it could be any longer I mean we at we said that it's best to keep it at that rate at that time frame because like I mean to not push the storyline too much but if it could be, if you could add more scenes or more data to the short film, what could you add? Or, or what would you add, like, from your perspective? Well, if they wanted to stick with the one class, then I probably, you know, would have added that maybe more about, like, what they teach them because it was more about like their experience in the class but more about like what they're learning in the class right so not not like not much from the experience but more from what they were actually learning correct and what would be your star range for the short film um I would give it five out of five stars definitely because it's really it's just really a good film. Right. And, I mean, going back to the question of, I mean, what would you add if you had, like, a couple of minutes to spare and to add more um, scenes and more content? I mean, were there any characters you would have wanted to know more about? I mean, you said you would have wanted to know more about the, not the experiences, but what they were learning about. But maybe some characters that you wanted to dig in a little deeper in, maybe? I don't know what characters you think you would want to know more. Maybe, like, they didn't have the person who started the program talk about it much. It would be cool to hear, like, what inspired them to start up the program or what made them decide to even do it. And to wrap up, you recommend this for what age group again? Because, I mean, it is a short film. I I don't know what could happen in those few minutes, but, again, it's... It's better I would know. say 8 to 18 and also adults. All right. Okay. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. All right. Well, let's take a break. I'm Alejandra Garcia from Miami, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Princess Annie. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
to become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year, or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films, and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Alejandra Arcia from Miami and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Carnival, Spanish learning songs, Uranus Whispers, Improv at Daybreak, and next we'll be talking with Beatrice on Suey Baby documentary. So Beatrice, how are you? I'm really good. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. So to start off, can you tell us a little bit about this documentary that you watched? Well, it's about this dog named Stewie Baby. It's a mix of a mini Australian shepherd and a corgi. And its coat is a blue... I forget how to pronounce it. (laughs) It's okay. And what was your favorite... I mean... Like, what was your favorite scene from this film? I mean, from this documentary that you watched? Well, it's Stewie Baby. Uh, the dog sometimes narrates it, and then the owner sometimes narrates it. And I really like it when the dog narrates it because she um, talks about chasing cats and wearing the cone of shame and everything. And what was your favorite character from the documentary or the or your favorite, like, person or dog to watch oh stewie baby of course (laughs) for what reasons what did you like about it well it's about well 70 percent of the kids in the world struggle with reading but um stewie baby um he goes to children hospitals and he's a therapy dog and he goes to libraries and schools and he helps kids who are struggling read and do you think people or kids that are struggling with reading would be better would improve in their reading if they would watch the documentary or what would they learn from the documentary if they would watch it they would learn that um it's okay to be different and that 
if you have someone to help you, you can always succeed. And th- you learned that from the documentary? Yeah. Oh, so I, so I think it is very age appropriate then. What would what age range would you give it then? If it teaches all these messages and these lessons to kids that are struggling with reading. I think the youngest would be three if they know about struggling with reading and then to 18 and adults would like this too. Yeah, because I think some people don't like actually acknowledge that people like older in their teens do struggle with reading. So I think it's um, great that you would like widen that age gap or age, age gap to the documentary. Yeah. And, I mean, it is a documentary, but do you think it was well time frame? Do you think it, you could have seen more or do you think it's best that we leave it at the nine minutes that the documentary was? I think it's uh, best to leave it. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you. I think sometimes um, the, the makers behind the films or the documentaries, they think that, or not they think so, but that they want to push the storyline more. And I think it's best to leave it um, like where it's at, like originally to, you know, send the purpose and that's it, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and do you, did you like how it was filmed? I mean, we know that you like the message and the story that the documentary had behind it, but did you like how it was shot or and, and like the setting and all the scenes? Did you like it as well? Like, was it aesthetically pleasing? Yeah, the lighting was really good, but you can tell some of it was taken off a regular camera and some of it was taken off like a real set camera. Oh, and I mean, do you think... If they had changed that, would it have been better? Or do you like the like the variety of shots that they had in the documentary? I think everything about the shots and the lighting is perfect. I mean, yeah, sometimes the documentaries have like those little like variety of like shots and quality to like on purpose. So I think it's best if I mean it's obvious it obviously has a like a meaning behind it. It's not like random, right? Yeah, there's one other character I want to go into detail with, and it's this girl named Emma. She's blind, and um, she uh, Stewie Baby is starring in some books, and Emma got the first copy of the first book in Braille. Oh, okay, let's touch up on that really quick. Hold up. So, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we're talking about Carnival Spanish Learning Songs, Viennese Whispers, Improv at Daybreak, and now we're talking with Beatrice on Sui Baby Documentary. So Beatrice, as you were saying, what was your what was the other character that you wanted to touch upon? Um, it's this blind girl named Emma, and Stewie Baby stars in a lot of books, and she has the first copy of the first book in Braille, which I think is really cool. And Stewie Baby helped her learn that it's okay to be different. Also, not only does the documentary touch upon kids that are struggling with reading, but also kids that have more like um, struggles with reading, like being like not being being able to see. So how do you feel about that? Did you like that they touched upon a variety of subjects? Oh, that- I loved it. Yeah, because like people that watch the documentary or kids that do struggle with the same problems that the character side in the documentary could feel relatable. Did you like that they had that? I loved it. And would you recommend it to, I mean, your friends to watch it because of those reasons? Or for what reasons would you recommend the documentary? 
Um, I think because, first of all, Stewie Baby is the most adorable little dog. And it's really nice how it goes into, like, a lot of kids in the world struggle. And, um, and a lot of kids in the world have, like, disabilities. And if you have a little pal to help you out, you can succeed. Yes, I agree with you. And if you had, I mean, we agreed that we would speak with the time frame that the documentary was set in. But if you had a couple more minutes to add content to the documentary, what would you add? Maybe more um, storylines with kids struggling with reading problems? Or what would you, from your own perspective, add to the documentary if you had more minutes? Uh, well, it talks about um, Stewie Baby going to hospitals and libraries and they really more go into the concepts of schools and I wish they would go more into like um, the hospitals and the libraries. And why is that? Do you feel, um, I mean, you wanted to see more from those settings or what is the reason for that, that you feel that way? Well, Stewie Baby is also a therapy dog and um, right. he, uh, they didn't really show that much about the children's hospitals and that kind of, to me, didn't work. But I'm really glad they had a lot about schools, though, still. So do you feel they show more about the dog than the kids that are struggling? Or do you think there's a balance that? Oh, it's a, about? it's a good balance, yeah. Okay, and what age range would you give the documentary again? Uh, 3 to 18, and adults would like this, too. And that is for what reasons? Like what, what would you recommend it to those, to, to that age group? Well, um, some people don't focus on the kids that are struggling in the world. Like, they don't understand that. And I think this documentary, or should I say documentary, really helps. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we agree on that this documentary, like you said, um, teaches various or touches upon various topics that kids struggle with, and it's very um, educational, right? Yes, and not very. only educational, but also entertaining. Correct? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks so much for joining us. You have been, t you have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before we head out, we are trying to mention the Kids First fundraiser that Kids First has launched a crowdfunding campaign to help support Film Critics Program. We are more than halfway to our goal of $15,000 and today we ask for your support to help expand Kids First training and educational opportunities for kids both nationally and around the world. 100% of your donation supports our Kids First Film Critics training and implementation. Every single penny counts so we would really like you guys to come and support. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First Films Critic Program, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on Press for Kids, kidsworld.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Princess Amy. I'm Alejandra Garcia from Miami. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.
you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.